Hello, and welcome to the podcast where our goal is to remind you that amidst the chaos and craziness of the world, there is still plenty of good that's worth shouting about. In each episode, we're going to be joined by nonprofit professionals, leaders, experts, and advocates to hear their stories, facilitate connection within the nonprofit sector, and hopefully put a smile on your face, because that's always nice. This is Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes. Let's share some good. Welcome to Nonprofit Connect Ooh. with Matt Barnes and Tiffany Pope. That was actually not bad. We got that a little jingle good. there, right? I like that. Oh man, that welcome was cool. to it's going to sound <laughs> but we we can't hear the intro music mm. that was playing just before that for yeah. the listeners. So it may clash terribly. And it's I have probably no so idea. Off. Yeah. But so whatever. Off. <laughs> I like it. I, I think like it's it. a new jingle for us. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt. That's Tiffany. We already did that, but okay. Kind of. I mean, in the song. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Tiffany, she walks around with this giant <laughs> water bottle, but it's not like a water bottle. It's like a jug. The thing's, I'm just staring at it right now. It's huge <laughs> and it's always there and it clangs every time she sets it down. Like they make yeah. those, if it's you can get a smaller one, they make those little rubber silicone boots, you know, yeah. that make it so that you don't have the like clank, clank every time. There's no boot for that, that one. That thing is obnoxious. <laughs> and she's like, people make fun of me for this. And I'm like, yeah, of course they do. Because it's ridiculous. But it's, why? Like, I'm getting my water intake in. So why would people get mad at me? I'm sorry that I'm healthy. They're not mad at you. They, they just are. think it's ridiculous. They're roasting me. Well, inflaming me. They're making fun of you. But they're not mad. That's the same thing. That's not the same thing as mad. Okay. Well, it's not fun. so listeners we're gonna start a gofundme to buy a better (laughs) water bottle for tiff yeah that is not as annoying for the rest of us i think i need it's not a water bottle it's a jug you might as well just carry around a big giant sparklets (laughs) bottle that's no that's crazy i can't do that it's close i can't do that and yours is metal so it's worse it is it is pretty bad anyway um (laughs) so this is nonprofit connect and uh not Water bottle connect. No. <laughs> no. But today we've got a really cool guest. Honestly, this interview really challenged me uh, and pushed me. And I've been thinking about it for a while now because I think I interviewed John about two months ago now. We're, wow. way, we're way ahead. Super so, ahead. But I've been thinking about this interview for the last two months. And it's wow. informed a lot of the interview since and how I've asked questions because – John Bromley, he is a facilitator of benevolence and the founder of Charitable Impact, a public foundation that operates as a donor-advised fund, meaning that they manage charitable giving from one single account, which they term impact account. So he's up in Canada, and really he's helping to connect people with nonprofits so that they can give and they can support. But what we ended up talking about a lot that challenged me was the idea of instead of focusing on just changing nonprofits or growing nonprofits, changing culture and the Mm. way we treat giving and the way we think about giving and helping our culture to look at giving as a way to change the world and a part of just what all of us can do and from young ages. And so we got into some great conversations. It's really challenged me to be thinking about things a little bit differently. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear this, but also for this year, because it's already been informing the way that I'm approaching quite a few things this year. Wow. 
This so, guy really challenged you. He did. I like wow. at first. It's so funny because at first I'm like, okay, what do you got? You know, and then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm like, on. dude. And I, I think I even <laughs> say in the interview, like, you're blowing my mind. Okay. So <laughs> no more talking about it. I'll just let you hear it. After the break, we'll be back with John Bromley from Charitable Impact right after this. Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes is brought to you by Rogue Creatives. Did you know that your brand has a personality all of its own? Well, it does, or it should, but maybe it doesn't. How do you know if it does? Here's what you do. Ask yourself, does the way you describe your organization match the way you describe your branding? Because it really needs to. Why? Because people don't connect with organizations. They just don't. They don't feel connected to them. They, they feel connected to characters. They feel connected to personality. So it's super important that your brand has a personality that connects with the right people to bring them into your story. And that's what Rogue Creatives is all about. We've developed our very own process called the Strategic Storytelling Framework to define your brand personality and create a brand foundation that will make sure your organization has that main character energy that connects with others and pulls them right into your story. And by the way, it works. And we got the receipts. Our nonprofit clients have seen incredible increases in giving that have allowed them to help even more people and make the world a better place. Get started today by visiting roguecreatives.com slash NPC. That's NPC for Nonprofit Connect. You can schedule a free brand consultation and take our free online brand character quiz. And we all know that everybody loves a good online quiz, especially when it's free. So get over there and do that because it's, it, why not? Why wouldn't you? You love it. It's going to be fun. That's roguecreatives.com slash NPC to begin defining your brand character today. There's no commitment or risk for you at all. And Honestly, we just can't wait to meet you. We, we kind of think we could be good friends. I think we could hang out. You could buy us lunch. We can help you with your branding and talk about the shows we're binging or whatever. It'd be nice. Rogue Creatives. Seriously, creative storytelling. All right. On with the show. All right. I've got John Bromley here with me. Thanks for being here, John. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you're in Canada, right? Oh, Canada. <laughs> Where whereabouts? I'm in Vancouver. Oh, nice. The only place in Canada I've ever been, Vancouver. It's beautiful. It's very beautiful. Yeah. Houses are too expensive though. Is it really? Is it the uh California of Canada? Oh, well, it seems like housing affordability is an issue everywhere in Canada. But yeah, Vancouver's very, very expensive, partly because it's so beautiful. Lots of good reasons to live here. If you like the outdoors, you like the mountains, you got the and we're on the ocean. I mean, it's a tough place not to love from a geographic locations perspective. Yeah. All right. Well, we always start off with three random questions. We've got a list of many, many random questions, and then we randomly choose three of those. And we got three interesting ones today. So you ready? I guess so. All right. <laughs> a little more confidence, John. Come on, man. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm ready. Can't wait. All right. That's what I like to hear. Okay. Here's a funny one. Elon Musk calls. He wants you to be the new CEO of X. What's the first thing you're going to do as CEO? I'm going to say no, because I won't become the CEO of X. I'm going to stay being the charitable impact CEO. Come on, this is what I do, and I love it. I think that's a good choice. <laughs> I don't think that's a great place to be right now, and you seem like you're doing well where you're at. All right, second question. According to the multiverse theory, literally anything is possible. What is an alternate reality you would be most interested in seeing? Me as the CEO of X, you know, <laughs> I love the world the way it is. I mean, I think there's lots of problems in it that we got to work on making better, which is why charitable giving is so important. But like, what would my alternative universe be? 
I don't know. I'm allergic to the sun. So in that world, I want not to be allergic to the sun. That is an excellent choice. Very practical. All right. Last question. You can add any sport to the Olympics. What's it going to be? How about ultimate Frisbee? Ooh, that's a good one. Do you guys play that a lot up there in Canada? Well, I used to play it quite a bit, actually, and relatively competitively. And it's a fun sport that you can understand pretty quickly. Lots of cool throws and big diving catches and hard defense and stuff like that. So I think it would be a fun thing to add to the Olympics. Now, I have a question for you that is not on my script, (laughs) but I'm always curious about because I know this is supposedly big in Canada is curling, right? Sure. But that's already in the Olympics. That is an Olympic sport. Is that something that Canadians are like really follow and get into? No. No. Okay. (laughs) But some Canadians, yes, for sure. But in Canada, it's all the sports, same as the U.S. I mean, soccer, hockey is really big here. Curling. I've actually curled. I even played on a curling team. That's one of my relatively few claims to fame. So I am one of those Canadians who appreciates curling having done it. And it took me having done curling to understand it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be careful not let my ADD get the best of me because I could go off on asking you a lot of questions about curling because it's fascinating to me that I never had heard of it until maybe like 10 years ago. Never even heard of it. And I watched the Olympics and then it's like curling and I'm like, what is this thing? And how did it get in the Olympics? And yeah, many questions, but that's not why we're here today. All I'll say about curling, I'm no expert on it, but like so many things in life, you don't really appreciate them until you've tried them and you've given it some effort and you've tried to learn it a little bit. And so post having curled, my appreciation for curling went from like a two out of 10 to like a nine out of 10. So try things before you judge them. Yeah, no, that's why I'm asking because I was like, wait, what is this? I've never even heard of it. It's crazy. All right. Now let's get into you and your background, John. So you work in obviously the charity world, the, the nonprofit world. Tell us your origin story. How did you get involved in sort of this area and what got you to where you are today? The two ways I like to answer that question is, on the one hand, my family values charitable giving. So it was this type of thing that I learned about at home. At some level, my parents almost forced us to do it a little bit. I mean, there wasn't like quite hand twisting, but for example, when we were in church, they would put the money in our hand to actually put in the basket so that you released it. My mom in particular talked about causes that she was interested in and passionate about, and it just became sort of a banter on the cause. But then also, did you know there's something you can do about it, right? With your time, your talent, and your money. So it was sort of the family value, I would say. And then the second part of the answer is, so that's where my culture of charity comes from. But like, I've got some subject matter expertise, and that all is rooted in the random fact that my dad happens to be one of the two pioneers of charity law in Canada. So my dad is this very deep expert on all things charity, particularly law. Very interesting. So you were really surrounded by this growing up. I'm a dad now. I don't necessarily know what my kids think about me, but I was never like, oh, my dad's a charity lawyer growing up. Like, I think I knew he was a lawyer and that's about it, right? It took me Generally speaking, until I was already a professional myself, I was in the corporate finance kind of investment banking world. And then I happenstanced into working with my old man who has this deep expertise. And that's where all of my learning on the technical and the behavioral and the financial and the spiritual aspects of charitable giving actually came from. So a bit strange. So that's led you to charitable impact. And tell us what charitable impact does. 
Well, charitable impact is a donor advised fund. And normally I don't open by saying that, but if I'm talking with an American, it's many things we love about Americans as a Canadian, by the way, as a charity nerd, one of them is a lot of them have actually heard what a donor advised fund is. Whereas in Canada, nobody knows what a donor advised fund is. Like almost nobody has ever heard of it. So a donor advised fund is kind of like a bank account for charitable giving. It's a giving vehicle that helps you separate your donations from the choices you make about what causes or charities to benefit. And so we founded Charitable Impact because we really believed there was nowhere for people to go to get objective advice about giving. So not fundraising from them for a specific charity or specific cause, but actually helping them figure out how to navigate and develop their own giving path. And in order to accomplish that, it's not just about advice. It's also about having the vehicle to carry it out. So Charitable Impact would develop itself as a donor advice fund to be a donor-centered objective, neutral giving platform. And we really care about serving donors to help them engage more with giving, but they're in charge. It's your giving your way, our support. That's what we say as our brand promise at Charitable Impact. So it really is about the donor and supporting them to fulfill their giving journey over time. And that's something that like a sport, like curling. Yeah. (laughs) It's something that like you can try a little bit But it takes practice and it takes going back to the rink and throwing more rocks and playing in games and having fun. And sometimes bad things happen and you got to learn how to deal with those things. So charitable giving, like everything in life, is a learned kind of skill. And there's really nowhere, at least in Canada, there's really seriously nowhere to go to get like help with your giving. Almost everything you see is from the charity trying to raise money asking you for dough or asking you for some of your time. Sure. So why is that? Why do you think there's such a shortage in Canada versus other places? Well, I mean, I actually don't think that despite the fact there's more donor advice funds and more donor-centered sort of giving mindset in the United States, I actually don't think it's like there's a ton of it down there either for what it's worth. Because I think that in the modern era, like the last 50 years has so much been about the professionalization of fundraising. And I'm a fan of fundraising. It's really critical. But it, it hasn't proven to really develop donors. It's proven to raise money for charities. So I think a lot of the focus has been on helping charities raise money. And maybe partly as a result of that focus, there hasn't been as much focus on going, well, how do we develop an environment for people to really like onboard into and play charity, get involved with it and and have it integrated into schools and have it integrated into workplaces. To fulfill that, you have to basically have a donor advice fund for what it's worth because Getting people to agree on charitable causes is not as important as getting them to participate in in giving to what they care about. So how does that practically play out with charitable impact? Are you a nonprofit or are you a for-profit? Well, charitable impact as a donor advice fund is a public foundation. So that's sort of Canadian lingo, kind of. You have the same lingo in the United States, but for a nonprofit, so it's a registered charity. But charitable impact is also this like giving platform and it's technical. It's a web-based product. And we have people that work with us that help donors. And that part of the business is a for-profit and it licenses its platform actually to the for-profit who's only focused on governance. Got it. Okay. So as you're working with a business, say, what does it practically look like? Well, same way it actually works with any kind of donor. In theory, it's like, hey, what are you guys wanting to achieve? And so if the business is like, well, we want to get money to this charity, then we would say, well, here, we'll help you do that. But if it's like, well, we're trying to get our employees involved in charitable giving, and we say, well, this is what that can look like. Here's how all your 
employees have a donor advised fund and you as the business have a donor advised fund, everyone can make their own donations and we can match donations and layer things in and through that you can then start having conversation about causes inside the company. Maybe the company's got a cause that kind of comes top down, but maybe you might be also open to listening to the causes of your employees. So conversations about charitable giving are the same as almost everything in life at the level of what are you trying to achieve? Why is it important to you? And we listen to that. And then we use our experience and our charity literacy and the donor advice fund as a vehicle to help them carry out what they're hoping to do. Okay, cool. This is a podcast for nonprofits, really, to learn from other nonprofits or learn about what's going on out there. Obviously, you work with a lot of nonprofits or interact with a lot of them, interface with a lot of them. In the area of fundraising, in the area of getting new donors and all of that, what are some of the things that you've really seen or learned that charities need to be aware of or maybe be leaning into more than they already are? Well, one of my areas of interest that I think nonprofits specifically have to start to appreciate is where the pool of donors come from and what keeps them interested in being engaged. And this is also an area of my interest. Like it's actually, I think of dedicating my life to try help with this type of problem, increasing access to and participation in charitable giving. So one of the things I think it's important for nonprofits to appreciate is that in order for someone to give money to them, that person has to be prepared to give money. So nonprofits often get fixated on how do I meet a donor who's going to give money to me? And I think it's important that more nonprofits start to appreciate that they can actually contribute towards the development of people to become donors in general so that there's a broader pool of people that exist to be able to give them money. And I worry a little bit in the modern world that there's not as many places to sort of learn giving and then we don't see it as much for various reasons. So we can get into that if you're interested. So I think it's really important that nonprofits start to appreciate that like donors have to exist in order for them to be able to give money to them. It sounds really simple and maybe even too obvious. Yeah, but it's kind of actually simple, but genius. Like the conversations I'm having a lot are trying to get nonprofits to think a little bit bigger picture. And a lot of that for me and for the people I'm interacting with is not thinking so much project to project or program based or trying to get away from directed funding, trying to get away from specific campaign type things for one thing and really looking at unrestricted giving, trying to get people to open their minds to the fact that nonprofits are, you know, if they're doing this, hopefully they're the expert in that area and they need to be able to explore that and they need to be able to try things and run themselves like a business would. And I think that is very, very important. But I, what you're saying is even kind of bigger picture than that is looking beyond just even their nonprofit and going, we need to address the fact that we need a culture of giving in the first place and the sort of a giving awareness or a giving understanding in the culture so that when we approach people, they understand what that looks like and the value of it and participating beyond just this need or that need. Is that accurate to what you're saying? Yeah, that's 100% right. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in wanting to help nonprofits think beyond their charitable activity or their program. And I know they can do that. And another thing is when you look at the world through the lens of the donor, rather than through the lens of the charity that needs the money, you also confront these other things that sound simple and obvious, but it's not the way the charity world works yet. So for example, like my experience with donors is that a whole bunch of them, not everyone, okay, but a whole bunch of them know what they care about changing in the world, but they really don't know how to go about, like, for example, choosing the charity. 
So it's like, oh, I care about this cause. Like I care about single mothers. Like, oh yeah, well in this geographic region here, I care about it. Okay. And like the likelihood that there's like only one registered charity that helps with that problem is very, very low. So it's like appreciating the problems that donors have. Like, I know that I care about this cause. How do I choose the charity? Get into all this, well, do I have the literacy to do that? Kind of like, do I know how to go about it? Do I have the confidence to make the decision? And I think there's a lot of problems at that level where the answer is no, I don't have the confidence to do it. And that causes too many donors to not participate in actually giving. And so something else we want fundraisers and specific nonprofits to be appreciating that it's not that people don't care about them, but what people really care about is the cause that that charity serves. Yeah, literacy is the word I was trying to grab onto earlier. That's perfect. That understanding, that literacy of beyond just what this specific nonprofit or registered charity does, but the idea of how it is, you know, like I said, culturally. And right now I'm just sitting here going, wow, you're kind of blowing my mind in some ways. <laughs> and then, But in some simple ways, it's the things where it's more and more making me realize, or I don't know if it's realized because I feel like I realized it a long time ago, but seeing examples of and really understanding how we have all been ingrained in this way of thinking about charity that is so wrong, fundamentally a flawed. And we need to reprogram. We need to re-educate not just the nonprofits, because like I said, we get so focused on this project, this event, this thing, but also culture in general. What are some of the ways that you go about doing that? I mean, if I'm a nonprofit and I'm steeped in the tradition of we're doing this golf tournament. Those are big in America. You guys do those a lot. <laughs> Everything's golf tournaments here or a gala or a, whatever it is. We're doing this thing to raise money because we have to meet our program goals next year. How do we talk to a nonprofit about shifting their messaging or what does that look like practically? Wow, that's a big question. So first of all, I think it's about appreciating who's coming to your golf tournament, so to speak, and who they are. I mean, one of the things that I find strange about golf tournaments for, for fundraising is like when you just look a little differently is like, why don't we just integrate charity into all golf games instead of like trying to throw one golf game here and there for a specific charity, right? Like if you and I went to play golf together, we could bet using charity dollars. Like if I beat you, you owe me 10 charity dollars and vice versa, right? Or, and you win more charity dollars for a birdie. But if you get a triple buddy, you're in for like big dough here now. So I'm not answering your question about what you do to shift the nonprofits view. I'm happy to talk to that, but I'm, I get kind of passionate about this topic. And I think it's actually not the job of nonprofits necessarily to fix this problem themselves because they have to stay focused, in my opinion, like on carrying out the charitable activity. The activity has to be done well because ultimately, if the charities aren't helping solve problems in community, no one's going to give them money just because they're ineffective. But I think nonprofits sometimes get in the way of helping society develop donors. So for example, every nonprofit wants to figure out how to get inside a school so they can fundraise. But how many nonprofits are helping schools figure out what they can do to actually increase the donor literacy, the charitable literacy of their students? Let me just give you a quick story I like telling. So one of the schools I went to found out that I knew something or, or about charity and they brought me in as an alumni to kind of say like, hey, help us raise money from alumni. And I know a thing or two about alumni fundraising. And the main question I asked them that like stumped them in an important way, I think, is, is just to say like, hey, what do you do to help your students become charitable? 
Because if your students aren't charitable, how could they ever possibly give you money? Now, I know there's some answers to that, some theory, but the sort of obvious statement of like, if someone doesn't, has never been exposed to curling, they can't curl. So if no one's ever really been exposed to charitable giving, they can't really do it. Yeah. I mean, as you're saying that, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking like I went to Pepperdine University here in Malibu and loved it. Best four years. Amazing time. Wonderful. But I see that number pop on my phone and I know they're asking for money and I dodge it. I mean, you know, like, but I think back to like, I mean, in my mind, I think the thought process is and in the mind of a lot of people, if, if we're going to talk specifically about academic giving is, OK, I gave you crap ton of money for four years and now you're calling me asking for more and I get it but I feel like you're right if there had been more education on that uh, and even going even further as you were talking earlier I'm thinking like my background originally was education I started out in education did a master's in education taught high school and college for a while and this is no new thought but we don't teach some of the basic life skills that kids need that people need anyway budgeting, you know, the things that you need to actually learn. I get students all the time. We do an internship program here. I get students all the time that have a lot of skills that they've been taught, but the soft skills or the actual practical of things, they nothing. So I take a lot of pride and effort in our internship program and bringing those things in because that's what they need. But this to me would fit in with that. It's like we should be teaching them about budgeting and teaching them about money. But part of that should be this idea of giving and contributing and what that looks like. And I feel like going back to the hypothetical question I asked you about the multiverse, I think almost that would be something that would create an alternate reality in some ways of people who think differently about giving. That would have been such a good way. If I could go back and edit my answer, like that would have been such a good way to answer that question. Sure. But you know, in part why I didn't answer it that way, because I actually see what you're describing as achievable in the world today as we know it. It's going to take some time, but I actually don't see that as a separate <laughs> multiverse. I see that as a future state of charitable giving in North America and in other places around the world. And I asked me about curling, we were just sort of talking about that, which is a sport. And I grew up playing a lot of sports, love sports, still involve a sport today, coach soccer and try to stay fit a little bit. And when I try to describe this problem of like, there's like in Canada, there's, and I know it's happening in the United States too, like there's a decline in the number of people participating as charitable givers. And there's all sorts of problems that come from that. So not to get lost in that, but when you kind of say like, well, why? And then you maybe posit something like, I like to say, well, increasingly there's nowhere really to go to learn about charitable giving. People say, oh, well, tell me more about that. An analogy I like to use is sport. So for example, if you want to learn soccer or ice hockey or football, what do you do? You look into your community, you find a website, you find a club, you can read about it, you can click, sign up, you can sign up, you get a team, you get a coach. Now you've got other people that you're playing, whatever the sport is, soccer with, and you've got a coach and you're getting better at it. Whether you're going to come pro or not is not necessarily the goal. It's part of your life now. Like, where's that whole thing for giving? Yeah. And it just doesn't exist. It doesn't. And I consider myself a relatively intelligent person and a person who's very engaged in the nonprofit community. And it's not something that's occurred to me because I think we have been so trained in the way to think about this. And I also think outside of this particular topic, 
I think people have a generally pretty unhealthy relationship with money and how to talk about it and how to plan for it. And, you know, I mean, it's the number one cause of divorce and all, all these things. Is, it's money. And so it's all of that. It's such a bigger thing of like the relationship we have with money, the relationship we have with things, material things and how we can support other people. And it's all intertwined. Yeah. So going back to your question on like, what can you do for nonprofits? This is what I kind of mean by help nonprofits appreciate who their so-called donors or who the population is that they're dealing with. And when you can appreciate that, like so many people who do give only give when they're asked, you can kind of start going, oh, well, no wonder fundraising is so expensive. Because like, if we don't ask people to donate, like how much cheaper is it to have a donor like just an example of like a religious donor who's tithing as a Christian, you know, they're 10% and they're just doing it because it's kind of what they were trained to do. Well, the cost of capital on that 10% on that donation is zero within reason. So whereas the cost of money of trying to convince someone to not just give money to your charity, but to give money, period, it starts looking closer to like 30 or 40 cents on the dollar. So I think it's really important to step back and appreciate, like, why is it so bloody hard to fundraise? Oh, we need a better website. Well, I don't know. I mean, you might just need more people who value charitable giving in your community. Wow. You're blowing my mind, John. I love it. This is so great. Okay. I could literally, I think, talk to you probably for hours on end because I have so many thoughts and I'm probably going to need to have you back at some point. And if you're ever down here, you're going to have to come and stop by as kind of a final thought or anything, if you had one more thing you wanted to share, what do you want to share? In this context of our discussion, which I've loved, by the way, I'd love to come back and spend more time with you. And if we have a chance to see each other in person, that would be rad. Let's do it. I'm dedicating my life to this, solving this problem, by the way, and I enjoy it. It's really fun. This is what Charitable Impact, the organization I started and I run today, really exists to do. So Now, we're just in Canada, so this isn't meant to be some kind of big plug. It's just like, I want to talk to Americans. I want to talk to Canadians and say, like, you all care about something changing in the world. We know that. And we know that you have something to give towards creating that change that you care about, whether it's your time, your money, or your talent. And so what Charitable Impact exists to do is to kind of be a partner to you, to stand beside you and say, hey, if you have any questions, you just let us know. You don't need to go online and search for five hours. You just have to ask a question here. We'll help you get your answer right away. And here's a vehicle where you can go do your charitable giving. But we want to make that as easy as possible. And it's not just like click the button easy, although we want that too. It's like as easy as possible to kind of start being charitable. Because if you can start, for example, giving 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, $200 a month, 2000, whatever it is. That's why I think the donor advice fund is so important. That vehicles for the donor, put the money there. Now spend all of your waking time that remains to dedicate towards charitable giving, to think about how you're going to best use that money to create impact. And that's where charitable giving starts to become really fun. So I guess what I want to impart to people is that charitable giving is really important. It's connected to who you are. Sometimes it sounds boring and it feels bad because it's just all about giving money when we're asked and when we say no, we feel bad and all this stuff. I want people to reframe that a little bit and think about who they are and what they want to create change for in the world. And then to pursue that, pursue that. And you'll find that it's fun. And that's what charitable giving is a component of that. Cool. All right. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, okay, now I'm rethinking everything we're doing. Crap, John, you're ruining me, man. (laughs) This is great. No, I'm super excited. 
All right. I'm going to be thinking about this all weekend for sure. <laughs> Let me get into our closing questions that we ask. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, these are easier ones. <laughs> these are more related. I'll be the judge of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who is one person in the nonprofit or charitable sector that you really look up to and would love to take to lunch? Let me say it this way. So I'm like a charity banker. I'm someone who works on the donor side, doesn't care where you go. So anyone in the charity space who is deeply passionate about and very knowledgeable on their charitable cause, that charitable activity side, all of those people, I love hanging out with them because between the two of us, we actually kind of create the whole of the charity space. But because it's not my subject matter expertise, I love sitting down with people who, regardless of what the cause is, who just know and are passionate about and opinionated on how to solve that problem. I've got all day long to listen to those type of folks talk, and they're the people I like to help. I love that. That's so great. What is the thing in your job that gives you the most joy? The thing that gives me the most joy is also the thing that gives me the most frustration, and it's observing my own inadequacies (laughs) as a leader in helping the vision of what we see be translated into reality over time. I really, really love that. Seeing the future and being a participant and helping to translate that into reality, when that goes well, the amount of joy I get from that is insane, like so easy to get up in the morning, but it's easier said than done. And it's where my deepest frustrations also come from. I can see that. Man, You've challenged me and hopefully our listeners, and I'm just so happy to have met you and for you to come on. My brain is spinning so much that I'm having trouble even finding words to just talk about wrapping things up. (laughs) This is great. Where can people find more information about Charitable Impact? Well, we're charitableimpact.com. We're on social medias at We Are Charitable. So look us up there. Come and find us and reach out to us and challenge us with what we're doing and help us do it better. But a big area where people can help us do it better is like telling us how they understand what they were doing. Because when we can get to being more clear about saying that, it's all good. So yeah, look, we're really focused entirely on helping donors develop into their sort of self as a donor. Something that can causes and stuff can change throughout life. That's what we're here to do. We need help with it. And I really enjoyed being on your show, Matt. Like, it's awesome. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Absolutely. And my pleasure. This has been great. It's been really fun getting to meet so many great people doing such great things that it's so funny how in some ways the nonprofit world can feel small, but then it's also massive. And every time another person pops up on my screen for this podcast, it's like, I'm learning about a whole new thing I didn't know about before. And it's fantastic. And you seem like a very hopeful, optimistic guy, which kind of have to be, I think, to, to do what you're doing, to have that optimism that we can get there and the future is possibly great. But it gives me that constant reminder when I'm like bombarded with, I think, the crap in the world. And then to keep having these conversations of people who do care and who are out there just doing really amazing things. It's such an encouragement, especially for somebody raising kids in the world today. You know, you're going like, Okay, there's hope. (laughs) And in there lies some of the solution to what I'm talking about. Just briefly, there is lots of crap going on in the world and people do care about that. What they need to figure out how to do is how to do something about it. Like you can participate in the solution. And that's where my hope comes from because generosity is not the problem. 
The problem is knowing how to act on your generosity in a way that keeps you engaged with doing so. I love it. John, thanks so much. I'm just so grateful you gave us your time today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Here we are at the end. You made it. Thank you so much for listening this far. And if you'd like to hear more from Nonprofit Connect brought to you by Rogue Creatives, well, then make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss out because you don't want to miss out. You want to be on the you want to be on the end. You know, you want to be on the inner circle. You want to know what's going on. Also, if you're interested in working with us or want to reach out or tell us how amazing we are, visit our website, npconnect.roguecreatives.com. You can get all the info there. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Well, we won't see you. We'll hear you. Well, you'll hear us. Whatever. Bye. Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes is hosted and executive produced by me, Matt Barnes, with an assist by my chaos coordinator, Tiffany Pope. Production is by our amazing friends over at Fame, the B2B podcast agency, along with Belinda Carter-Thompson and the team here at Rogue Creatives. Production lead is Luke Audi at Fame. Writing is by Sam Hollis at Fame and Matt Barnes and Taylor Bolanos from Rogue Creatives. Nemanja Koljaja of Fame is our audio editor and Arslan Yakub from Fame is our video editor. Creative direction is by Corey Hill of Rogue. Our artwork is designed by Hope Kelly and Joshua Marino at Rogue and Ian Salas of Fame. Theme music is composed and performed by Jared Atherton of Chapters. Luke Audi of Fame does our booking and our guest relations. Huge thanks to our amazing guest for joining us for this episode and to all of you incredible listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, and I don't know why you wouldn't have don't forget to help us spread some good by giving us a good review preferably you know five stars with lots of words saying how amazing we are on whatever platform you're listening on apple Podcasts, spotify whatever it is also tell your friends and subscribe so we can come straight into your potholes each and every time we have a new episode for more information about nonprofit connect or to join us at a live event here in orange county california visit our website npconnect.roguecreatives.com we'll catch you next time This has been a Rogue Creatives production.